0: Hey, maybe it's time to try to develop some new spiritual habits, ones that will be helpful in following Jesus. And maybe it's a good opportunity to just see if I can live without a few things, like envy or soda pop or whatever. Um, I don't know what your experiment with Lent has been like this year. And again, there's no, you don't have to do it. Don't feel any religious obligation. It's a spiritual invitation. Uh, What we've been talking about uh, for the last little while, um, going through Lent, Traveling Light, we've been talking about things that, uh, practices that we can add to our repertoire, good spiritual habits that will help us develop uh, a healthy, thriving relationship with God. We've been talked a bit about prayer. And uh, we had some feedback from someone in our congregation about that. And this week, I have asked Lawrence and Marilyn to come. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, today, living simply in a complex world. So Lawrence and Marilyn, do you want to come? Okay. I'm going to let you guys... I was going to say fight over. Share that microphone. I know you always share. Okay, so uh, now, Marilyn, you told me what was your first impression when I called you guys to ask, what could you tell us about living simply? Uh,
1: my immediate response was to burst out laughing, and, uh, because we are clearly the experts in this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it's something that you succeed at. Um, And I don't feel like we've succeeded at at being living simply or sustainably, but it's something that we strive for.
0: Yeah, that's good, and I appreciate that. I specifically wanted to ask you that because when I asked our um, Marion, our our prayer lady, to do you know to talk about prayer, she said, "Why me? I'm just, I'm just. We're all learners. That's what I'm trying to say. We're all growing in this. So." how, between the two of you, how have you been trying to live more simply and sustainably and, and leave a smaller footprint on the planet? How do you put that into practice?
2: Probably a number of ways. And I have to backtrack a little bit because I grew up in a really frugal household. My parents. We're Dutch. Not saying anything about the Dutch, but um, during the war, and so a lot of those things that they grew up with were instilled in us. They were just out of the fact that their their wants were really secondary to any needs that they had, and so grew up eating tulip bulbs and and you know scounging for firewood and stuff. So we've. Oh, sorry, a little bit louder. Yeah. Um, so uh, what uh, what I've Grown up with and tend to practice as well as like minimizing um, uh, wastage. Uh, for example, practical things like food. Oh, I was reading yesterday about 25% of the food that ends up in your fridge ends up being wasted and stuff that you buy. So, uh, trying to organize things so that um, that uh, that doesn't happen. And um, growing your own food. We've tried to do that a little bit. Marilyn has pretty been pretty cool with trying to. Uh, organized gardens and um, and uh... growing as much as we can with the limited space that we have so that's been kind of fun Um, minimizing use of uh... vehicles Uh, you know we have one vehicle we try to get something that is just exactly what we need nothing bigger something fuel efficient Um, we would like to be able to do with less there's opportunities for biking or walking around which is a lot more healthy and honoring of your body as well Um, so getting something that is uh, suitable for ninety nine percent of your needs and then if we need something else we can get a trailer or a truck to rent if you need to um,
1: yeah other options Well, just add one more thing um, we really struggle and fight against the pervasive lie in society that stuff makes you happy mm-hmm. and it's everywhere if you even if you don't watch tv you're probably going to be on the internet or walking down the street and we're surrounded by ads and if you buy this pair of jeans, you will be pretty and you will be happy. If you eat this food, you'll lose weight and then you'll be happy. And um, for some reason, that lie is hard to recognize and remember. And the part we struggle with the most now is uh, toys for Ezra. <laughs> mm, right. Um, it's so hard not to buy him everything that looks cool and fun. Um, so we also try to do things like if we need something, if we decided we need something, we try to buy used. Or um, if we're getting rid of something, giving it away.
0: Yeah, that's good. You don't need that. How do you? What advice would you give? uh, And I know you're not imposing anything on us, but what? What advice would you give, or what encouragement could you give us as a church family when you think of just living more simply on the planet?
2: Hmm. (laughs) I would say. I, I hate giving advice because it lends it up for, well, anyway, um, I would say pick one thing that you see as uh, something that you have either an excessive in your life or you can see where things are going to waste or where you could minimize the uh, amount of energy that is used on something, or, or stuff that you tend to collect for years on end. And I'm a bad one for that because I have a garage full of old car stuff that, probably never use again but when you get rid of it the next day you know that you're going to need that part so I'm (laughs) holding out hope for that but um Marilyn's kicking me in the in the rear end a few times saying stuff needs to go and and I'm conscious of that so I try to pick one thing that you can actually work with and and move on towards having less stuff and um been doing a bit of reading on that and people that uh really travel light and it harkens back to you know Jesus and and his disciples they didn't travel with a lot. They relied on God for their shelter, their food. There's a remarkable transformation that happens when you get rid of a lot of the stuff that you think you need and it, you find that your burden is a lot less. You find you can do with a lot less. You're a lot lighter in terms of your personality and your outlook and it's I traveled a few times with that. Kind of philosophy, and when we go camping, we try to travel with next to nothing, and uh, and just to be able to survive and and uh, live amazingly, relying on uh, the goodness of others as well. It, it uh, puts you on a whole different plane in terms of um, not uh, not relying on on the bulk of the things that here in the West we we have come to accept as things that we need. So I started. Ezra is a big need that, need that. And so I actually, we had some screen time with the Rolling Stones yesterday. And <laughs> I, <laughs> you can't always get what you need. And so you can't always get what you want. And so trying to make them understand that through the wisdom of Mick Jagger. But I don't know if that's going to work or not. <laughs> Little things.
1: I'll just say one thing. Um, I don't think it, I think with last week's message too with prayer it's not about succeeding it's just about taking steps to do better yeah
0: that's great thanks very much you guys thank you Marilyn had a great line i don't know if you picked it up but it's it's a little bit disturbing stuff doesn't make you happy what come on That can't be true, because if you go down Portage Avenue, everyone else is saying the opposite. Stuff makes you happy, but we know that just ain't so, is it? It just ain't so. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. When Luann and I were first married, and before we had kids, which meant we actually had some time and some money, um, we came across this amazing idea that we, we had never really heard of before, but someone was telling us about something called Registered Retirement Savings Plans, RRSPs. And we thought, well, this is a good idea. I mean, I don't... Retirement is so far off on the horizon. But it might be good to, to check this out. So we went to an investment counselor. His name was Shik Patel. was a fascinating guy. He was covered with as much gold jewelry as I've ever seen anyone in my life. He's amazing. And I got to calling him Slick Patel instead, because he was he was really smooth. He was really good at what he did. And we got talking about this and we thought, you know what, this this investment thing could be a really good idea. And we've been saving up some money thinking, wow, well, we've got family in Japan. Wouldn't that be cool to go to Japan? We could only do it, you know, while we're kind of relatively unencumbered by, peop- by little people in our lives. That might be a good idea. But on the other hand, you know, it might be good to put money away for the future. And this would be really good. And they're showing us all these numbers that we could make in the future. So we said, okay, well, let's be wise, I guess, And we'll put some money away in this magical RRSP and we'll be all good. So we did that on a Friday in October, stop giggling, in 1987. And what do you think happened on Monday? Oh, the crash of 1987, Black Monday, October 19, 1987, There was a 20% collapse, one-day collapse in the stock market. Oops. (laughs) Oops. We eventually came back, and we've not given up on the concept of RRSPs, but that was a good lesson uh, where we realized, what do you put your trust in? Where is your treasure? Where do you find your security, right? Wealth is fleeting. I'm not saying don't be shrewd. Don't be wise. I'm not an anti-investment person, okay? But it was a sobering lesson for us on where do we put our trust? Where do we put our absolute reliance? Not in the stock market or the banks or anything like that, but ultimately in God. Where is your treasure? Where do you find your ultimate security? And this is pretty challenging In a society, like Marilyn says, stuff will make you happy. Well, how's that working out for us as a society? Stuff will make you happy. So it really boils down to where our treasure is, where is our heart. And here's the problem. Here's the conflict that we find ourselves in. Jesus nailed this almost 2,000 years ago. He said, no one could serve two masters. Sure, you're going to hate one and love the other. Now, th- those are pretty strong words. That We can't, like, mildly tolerate one master and really love the other one. No. You either. The way we live, it's either you hate one and serve the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or both God and stuff, okay? It just doesn't work that way. We try to get around it. We try to figure that out. But once something happens to our stuff, that really betrays, where is our heart? If we have someone over and they spill something on the rug or the carpet, or if someone puts a nick in our vehicle, what does that say about us? Now there's a lot of, you know, nudging going on and looking at it. Now this is a no guilt zone, this is a no harassment zone, okay, but So what that means is that if Holy Spirit is speaking to you directly, no one else needs to help, okay? (laughs) No, I told you so is going on today. But when something happens to our treasure, how do we react? Whether it's going up and down in the stock market or a possession that we really value. Of course, we take care of things that are precious to us. But how do we really react? Do we put people ahead of our stuff? Do we put people ahead of our money? Do we put our kingdom ahead of God's kingdom? Where is our heart? Where is our treasure? Here's some principles from Richard Foster and the principles of simplicity, keeping life simple, that we can put into practice. Buy things for their usefulness, not their status. Reject anything that is producing an addiction in you. It's not just about chemical dependency. It's about other things that you feel all of a sudden you can't live without. If you really feel you can't live without something, try to go without them for a few weeks, like Lance or whatever, and just see. Test that out. Develop the habit of giving things away. Now, this does not mean putting used tea bags in the missionary barrel. As I've heard about, you're laughing, but this has happened in churches that I know about, not churches that I've pastored, fortunately. But don't give away junk, but get in the habit of developing, of giving away stuff. De-accumulate. That's what uh, Marilyn and Lawrence were talking about this morning. We've been going through a bit of a purging in our house in the last couple of weeks in it feels good all of a sudden you can well see the floor and you just got more space and you just feel lighter and all those indispensable things you were keeping oh we haven't looked at those in five years probably really don't need them right and it's good to do that mostly don't believe the hype don't believe the hype i know that our economy is based on consumption um and it's kind of ironic that um George W. Bush, after the 9-11 attacks, one of the first calls he made to Americans and really North Americans, how do we respond to this terrorist attack? Do you remember what he said? Go ahead and spend money. Go ahead and stimulate the economy. That's how you choose. That's how you show that you're a good citizen. Go ahead and buy something. And buy something from our country, not from their country. Go ahead and buy something. That's our patriotic duty. Go ahead and consume. Well, we're running out of planet. We're running out of resources in the planet. And it's not sustainable. It's just not going to make it. Um, There's some fascinating verses in Isaiah that I came across as I was preparing this sermon that I hadn't really paid too much attention to, but it talks about our consumeristic lifestyle that just um makes us devour the earth. You know, God appointed us to have in the King James it says dominion over the earth in Genesis 1. Dominion does not mean domination. A better translation would be stewardship. We're left to manage the earth because it's not ours. It's not ours. Our Aboriginal neighbors have this uh, theme of when you when you make a decision, you have to think about the next seven generations down the line. Man, I wish we would have that kind of attitude in our ruling classes in Canada. Because, to be honest, governments don't think past the next election or, or past the next poll. Large corporations don't think past the next quarterly report. Most of us don't think past the next weekend in the implications and decisions we make. But here's listen to these uh, interesting verses out of Ezekiel 34. God asks this question, Is it not enough to, for you to feed on the good pasture? Okay, use the good, the good grass for your flocks. Do you have to trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? The context of the story is that someone is not just taking their share of the planet, they're poisoning it for everybody else and their rampant exploitation of the earth. Now you're going to think, wow, Rick's turned into a real tree hugger. Well, there may not be many trees left to hug, so I'm turning into one, I guess. And I'm worried about it. I had a carpenter once do some work in our house in Ontario. And he built a new uh, front deck on it. And I said, oh, you did a good job. Thanks. Oh, well, it's all going to burn someday anyway. He was an apocalyptic survivalist Christian. He was not a very healthy guy. He was a decent carpenter, but as a human being, he wasn't doing as well as he could. And he had this warped view of theology a warped view of God that cost him his family and his business, and unfortunately now he's in jail. But his point of view was so warped and so short-sighted, he just thought everything was going to end at any minute. Now Jesus is coming back, and I'm not going to try to get us off into interesting discussions of the end times or eschatology today. And I'm not going to fall into the trap of saying, here's when he's going to come, and this is not when he's going to come, and all that. You can, well, no, I wouldn't advise you to go on TV and find an answer, because you won't. Let me say this. We are here as stewards of the planet. Jesus is coming back. Someday. And he's going to hold us responsible for what we did with the gospel and with the planet, okay? If you own a piece of property and you have someone as your property manager and you come back and find that piece of property trashed with tenants not paying the rent and things in chaos, how are you going to feel about your property manager? All right? We are God's property managers to steward the planet, to take care of it. And part of that, I think, lives... Mean involves living a simple sustainable lifestyle that's one of the ways we show our love for God the way we treat not just people but his creation so what that means is that we have to develop some of these practices like learning to enjoy things without owning them developing a deeper appreciation for creation Rejecting anything that would breed the oppression of other people, which means stop buying stuff made in sweatshops. Shun whatever would distract you from your main goal of of loving God and and loving his kingdom. Let's have a little bit of wisdom here. Simplicity does not mean getting rid of all of your possessions, but rather integrating them into your life's purpose. So many of us, the way our, our city is designed, we need a vehicle to get around. That's a practical need, right? So making a good choice about the kind of vehicle we need and 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 praying and God, asking for God's provision and direction is only a common sense approach to living this out, to living simply, right? And using that, using that to bless other people, you know, things like that, using it to serve other people. That's how we integrate our possessions into blessings people and expanding the kingdom simplicity really isn't so much about what we own but about what owns us that's why jesus in that passage went on to say do you know what stop worrying about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear because madison avenue and bay street are all about that they're all about making you worry about what you eat and what you wear but look at the birds they look pretty good look at the flowers they look awesome Why are you worrying? Why are you worrying? Because worrying doesn't add one inch to your lifespan, does it? It doesn't doesn't help you live any longer or any better. In fact, worry can take away from that lifestyle. It is corrosive. It is cancerous. It'll eat away at you. So he says, look, pursue the kingdom of God, not your own kingdom. Because your father knows that you need this stuff. Your father knows what you need. You can trust him. And we need to get it into our hearts and our heads that it's God's kingdom that we're pursuing. That's the big deal i give you a small example of this, of how someone, how I've seen some generosity lately, encourage me and encourage other people. Back several weeks ago, when we were planning this uh, presentation, Breathe, that's going to ca- happen next Sunday night, uh, and explaining it to the elders, they're buying in because they've seen Jason, the actor, do The Prodigal Son, and they knew who he is, and many people know who Mike Jansen is, this accomplished jazz pianist. And they wanted people to experience um, this dramatic presentation of what it means for someone to uh, connect with God, someone who'd never felt, I love you, never heard, I love you, in his life, especially from his family, and this man wrestling through all this. So we're discussing this and praying this about an elders meeting, and then all of a sudden, they shocked me in a good way. I've got elders popping up and saying, I'll buy 10 tickets. I'm thinking, your family's not that big, you know, like what do what you I didn't question it, I thought, really? And then two other th- two or three other ones sort of chipped in and said, Yeah, I'll buy some too. And some of them aren't even going to be in town when it's on. So they'll never see the production. They just want other people to see it. And I was really proud of them. I didn't go over the top and say, we're a gold star for you, that kind of thing. But I was really proud of them because here's, here are people using their resources to invest in the kingdom of God. And I think that's just a cool thing. I think God loves it. Now, we're not going to put their name up in a plaque or name a building after them or anything like that because God knows who they are, right? But when we do things like that, when we use our resources to invest in God's kingdom, all of a sudden life kind of settles down and we realize, hey, this is why I was here in the first place. And when we use something that we, well, we think we own, something really that God has given to us, we don't really own our stuff. We're just using it, the stuff that God provides for us, right? That's part of our perspective problem. But when we properly use the things that God has given to us for his kingdom to invest in other people's lives, to bless them and encourage them. It's a beautiful thing. And that becomes our treasure. And that's like, oh, now I get it. That's why I'm here. It's not just to own stuff or let stuff own me. It's to but expand the kingdom of God and to invest in it That's the kind of investment that we're really going to get back on, that we're going to see back on. That graph I showed you about Black Monday, boy, life goes up and down and up and down and up and down. Can you imagine tying your worth and well-being to the vagaries of the stock market? You would be a nervous wreck. It's no wonder why so many people are Self-medicating or, or medicating, getting medicated by other people because the stress would be too crazy. Everyone's wondering, where's the dollar going? Where's the economy going? Look, those things are important. But in the big scheme of things, what we need to be tracking is the kingdom of God. What is God doing? That big, that long-term perspective that we are investing our lives in. When we do that, God said, i know what you need i will supply your needs give me a chance give me a chance in your life to show me that i am god and i will show up and i will do that let's pray father we confess that at times we are so overwhelmed and encumbered by details and junk and stuff that it just can be overwhelming So I pray in Jesus' name that you will help us learn how to travel lightly and live simply in a complex world. Help us to take careful inventory of all the stuff we have and say, what don't we need? What can we offload? What can we give away? How can we invest in things that really last? Please help us to recalibrate our spirits on what's truly important in life. And give us grace with each other in the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what you-